0: Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. Chaos and uncertainty mark the results of the 2020 U.S. presidential election. As of this writing, we still don't know if Republican candidate Donald J. Trump will hold on to the presidency or if Democratic candidate Joe Biden will prevail, becoming the 46th president of the United States. Yes, some news outlets have announced Joe Biden as the winner, but this is just a projected win, and the final results won't be known until certification in early December between now and then, expect numerous legal challenges. But there is something that we do know, and that's no matter the outcome, the result will have a dramatic impact on the future of vaping. Joining us today on RegWatch is John Glauser, co-founder and CEO at Demand Vape, the largest wholesaler and distributor of vaping products in the nation, and anchor supporter here at RegWatch. John, thanks for coming back on the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Brett.
0: Okay, so first off, a trigger warning for our audience. You will be hearing conversations today that may speak highly of President Donald J. Trump. And before we tackle the potential impact of this election on vaping, John, let me ask you, do you think this has been a fair and honest election?
1: Um, I think from what I've seen so far, I, I have not seen any blatant proof out there that there's been voter fraud. I think that the president has a right to uh, make his case i think he could litigate i think i do think he's been talking too much but um, i think every american would want to know if there is anything going on behind behind the scenes but i i personally will not make a statement without seeing definitive proof or at least having it you know, said out loud as to what that what, what that voter fraud is. So I think it's a wait and see approach. And, you know, I, I I hate the idea of dragging this out any further, but I think it's it's necessary. And I, I really think we need to be patient. And we have a system exact our founding fathers were brilliant in putting this together. So, you know, they they, they kind of like looked at human nature and looked at how, you know, how people want to hold on to power and put all these these kind of safeguards in place, so let's let's trust that and see what happens.
0: Do you think uh, the president was quick off the mark uh, with his comments regarding that the election was stolen?
1: Yes, I do. I think that he shouldn't have said anything. I think he should have let his legal team take the lead. I think he should have stayed quiet, and I think it hurts his case that he came out and he, you know, did such a a public display of making these accusations.
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, and you're going to hear some opinion out there for me too tonight in this show, and I I think my reaction was very upset with President Trump over that because it really just it just, you know, puts him into a box. He put himself into a box by saying that.
1: 100%. And uh, you know, the, I mean, it's, it's Trump. It's Trump 101, right? He can't keep his mouth shut sometimes. That that, that that's who he is. That's, that's who we elected in 2016 and that's what we got. So, like I said, I, I, do, I do believe in the institutions of our country, and I'm, a, I'm an American before I am any, you know, I'm before I'm a Republican, conservative, Democrat, Libertarian, whatever. Um, I want what's best for this country, and at the end of the day, uh, whoever the people voted into office should be the president, and he'll be my president.
0: So, there are, though, some issues around the, the concept of fraud. I think it's a bit of a strong word. Uh, you know, if a voter has misrepresented their ID, basically, they're misrepresenting who they are in some manner, that's, a you know, voter fraud. Election fraud is much larger um, and usually more coordinated. Um, do you think either one of those, in terms of what you've seen so far, has there been some voter fraud, possibly within mail-in ballots, people sending in voting twice, you know, vote often <laughs> kind
1: of thing? <clears throat> So one of the things about, um, and I think a lot of people don't understand this, is every single state sets their own um, kind of voter rules, right? It's generally done by the legislator of that state. So we kind of have like this hodgepodge system of all these different types of systems going around all over the place, which is why you know some some um, people could get the done the vote counted quick, some can't, and uh, you know it, it ultimately falls on the states. Um, do I, I have not seen any definitive proof no and i i you know i've, I've heard things here and there but you know I, I firmly believe in innocent until proven guilty so i i do think the president has a right to make his case i think that you know the system affords him the opportunity to do that and his legal team and i think we should see and watch that play out um i don't think anyone should jump the gun one way or the other
0: so i have got uh, a bit of a clip actually the cops are going by here right now in downtown. Vancouver. There we go. Just stopped. Um, I've got a clip here from Laura Ingram's show on Fox last night and House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy had a few things to say with regards to the potential fraud, um, both voter and election. Let's just jump to that for a quick listen.
2: What's very interesting here and shows more of the fraud, not one Republican incumbent lost. We're already won eight seats and we're ahead in 10 more. How would President Trump lose in an atmosphere like that? How is it possible that someone claimed that Joe Biden would win and not one Republican member of Congress lost reelection, but almost 15 Democrats did? And you know what's interesting happening? We're watching this go before our very eyes. Why is it in these major states that the big cities stop counting till all the rural votes come in, till they know how many more they need?
0: And that's the issue that uh, seems to be, it's a disconnect, a dissonance, because how could the pollsters be so wrong? How could the Republicans do so well in the House, um, which is obviously down ballot from the president? Um, they picked up a governorship and um, obviously, and we'll talk in a second here, but there was a, a bit of a grab from on demographics that uh, the president had. So, I mean, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, something seems to be out of whack.
1: So it's interesting, and this is politics, politics 101, right? Um, there is no denying that President Trump is a polarizing figure. Um, is, it, is it consistent what happened? No, absolutely not. Is it within the realm of possibilities? Yes, it is. You know, um, I mean, we've seen a lot of things unfold over the last year. And if it's very possible that the House races were a repudiation of what we've seen over the last few months in the streets in the major cities and like I said, President Trump is very polarizing. So that's very much within the realm of possibilities. Now, if there is any sort of kind of systemic voter fraud going on, I would hope that every American would want to to know that. Um, I, I'm not going out on a and saying that's what's happening, but I, I do want to let the process unfold to see what happens.
0: So before we do that, let's jump just to this other point uh, the minority leader made with regards to uh, President Trump growing uh, his share of the vote among ethnic voters. So let's just have a quick listen.
2: Listen to this little fact. Every Democrat that lost right now lost to a woman, a minority, or a veteran Republican. This president has expanded this party larger than we ever have. We'll have more women in the Republican House than in the history of America. We'll have more minorities. And it was President Trump who expanded it.
0: And so I mean that is an, another glaring uh kind of disconnect there with the results at the president presidential level.
1: Yeah, and you know, you know me, Brad. I'm I'm totally against identity politics, right? Uh whether they're a woman, a minority, uh old white guy, it doesn't matter, you know. I think the, the most qualified candidate should win in every instance. And if they happen to fall into those categories, great. If not, it, sh- it should go on qualifications. Now, to me, this will probably be one of the When you look at Trump in history, I think you're going to see a lot of negatives. There's no doubt about it. He's a polarizing figure. I mean, he can't can't stop running his mouth. But I I do think when we look back in 10, 15 years from now, we're going to look back at the Republican Party. And I I, I think this is the beginning of a transformation to get back to kind of those conservative roots, like the party of the working class. Um, You know, Hispanics came out huge in Florida for him. Uh, I know here in Western New York, um, you know, I, I, anecdotally speaking, spoken to a lot of Hispanics. They support the president a lot. Um, and I know the Republican Party has had a kind of, I wouldn't call it a stain because I think I don't think it, it was justified, but they've had kind of like this cloud hanging over their head of like the rich white, um, you know, politician. And it, it's good to see that kind of, you know, spreading out into the, the public and, it, it, and, I, I, and that's healthy for our democracy, to be honest, because, you know, at the end of the day, you don't want one party just dominating everything. You know, that's not good for anyone. And, you know, this, the, this what we're seeing now, I think, is kind of a culmination of a lot of events. And I think it's necessary um, I don't agree with how the president's acting and what he's saying by any means, but I do think it, we will be better off for it when it's all said and done, regardless of what happens.
0: Are you personally disappointed with the outcome so far?
1: Do I, want, If you're asking if I wanna see a President Joe Biden, uh, no, I don't. Uh, will he be my president? Will I support him? Will I hope he succeeds if that is in fact the outcome? Yes, absolutely, 100%. Because like I said, I'm an American first.
0: So then, jumping into it then, if there is a President Joe Biden, what do you think that will mean for the country?
1: Um, for the country, I mean, you know, there's still a lot up in the air. I mean, we're assuming the Senate's going to go state in Republican hands. That's not, you know, that's not solidified yet. You got this runoff in Georgia that, we, that make drag out until George, until January. Um, there, if they don't get 50% of the vote, you have a special special election in January. So the whole the whole balance of powers could literally rest on that percentage in Georgia. Uh, it, it is possible. We will see a, a, a democratic Congress and a democratic president, you know, there nothing is guaranteed at this point.
0: So let's bring so, it in. Let's bring it into the vaping world then. Um, because like, can the president really do something about the mess that vaping is in right now in the United States? There's a lot of vapors uh, in the run-up to the election. There is a mass kind of movement towards the libertarian vote with, Joe Jorgensen and and you know is that was that a good place to put your vote if you're going to be a single issue voter when it comes to vaping?
1: Um it depends where you live. That's the guy's answer, you know. If you <laughs> live in New York, sure, why not? Vote for Joe Jorgensen. You know, we're not getting, we're not giving any electoral votes to the president other than Joe Biden. If you're in any one of these battleground states, I, I mean, I think it, it, it would be foolish to vote for George Organson. You know, I, I I mean, I personally view myself as a, a old-fashioned conservative slash libertarian, uh, 100%. You know, I, I think we should have a small federal government. I think the power should be in the, the local and the state governments. And uh, you should be represented where you live. Um, now, with that being said, you have to face reality. You have to You have to kind of look at the playing field that we're looking at and what the politics of the day looked like, and was Joe Joe Jorgensen going to have become president? No, it was impossible. It was never going to happen. You know, people were just trying to get her four or five percent of the vote. Yeah, I think she ended up with two. Um, so you know, if if and those margins in a lot of these swing states essentially cost President Trump the election if the vote's accurate.
0: So you, there was a lot of talk, obviously, over the years, and we've covered a lot of that. That there was, you know, a vapor vote that could actually swing the presidential election and that didn't manifest itself do you th- do you blame the president for not availing himself of the opportunity a lot of vapors feel that they extended the hand uh out to president trump and it was you know slapped away in september
1: so i mean I, you know it's funny. I just before we came on the show i was interacting on facebook with a couple people and um If I had to put a number to it, I would say President Trump probably did 85% out of 100 of what he was capable of doing for our industry. Um, And the 15% he didn't do, in all honesty, probably came out of just straight up ignorance. Um, You know, I mean, we're talking about a law that was passed in 2009 that's statutory that the executive branch has no authority over whatsoever. And the Food and Drug Administration is bound by law to follow it. you know, if if we were expecting the president to, uh, you know, just throw the PMTA out the window, um, that would be completely illegal, unconstitutional. And I would probably just get overthrown in the courts anyways. You know, there were he actually did propose in his budget to pull um, Center for Tobacco Products out of uh, out of um, HHS, which I, I think would have been a great idea. And that may have been a possible workaround but we're not going to be able to see the fruits of that now obviously if um you know joe biden wins his election
0: yeah and i think tied into the conversation here uh with potentially the senate still going the democrats way and why it's important that that doesn't happen is that if the democrats control the presidency the house and the senate we can see you know obviously um Obviously, the what was it? It's the Family, the Family Smoking Prevention and Tobacco Control Act that Obama passed, and and the and the House and Senate passed in two thousand and nine, and the President signed into law. One of the reasons why that was able to go through so quickly and easily was that the Democrats controlled all, you know, every single branch of the of trifecta. The, yeah, the trifecta. So, I mean, we you know we have to take a look at that because you know is it more or less likely that a Biden presidency is going to implement policy that's going to be detrimental to vaping.
1: Um, so, you know, I was thinking about this um, pretty hard earlier, and it, where we are now in this process where the applications were due, um, FDA has started to act, you know, they haven't done much, to be honest with you, they've been kind of silent through this whole uh, time since September 9th, um, you know, I, it, it would be, I think odd to see any changes there. Um, and Not that it's impossible, I mean, you know, it is definitely more likely to see some bad policy come out of le- the legislature if um, the Democrats control all three, if they control Congress and the, and the executive. But I think it's unlikely that vaping is going to be a hot topic issue, um, at least in the first year. Uh, from there, we'll see. I don't know. So, I mean, am I worried about it? Not not really because of everything else that's going on. But there is a higher likelihood that if we were to have a President Trump and a, you know, a Senate that was controlled by the Republicans.
0: So did President Trump do enough, though? I know you've given the 85 percent thing, but let me just press you on that. I mean, did he do enough for vaping?
1: Uh, I think he did what he could. I mean, there's a couple of things that he probably could have done more. Like, that's that 15%. But, you know, you have to, there's a lot that people don't take into consideration when they're doing the calculus to kind of judge these things, right? You have to understand that in politics, there is a lot of money, a lot of influence, a lot of, um, you know, voices, very public voices, campaign for tobacco-free kids, American pediatrics. Uh, that are putting tremendous amount of pressure, not just on the, the president, but on the uh, legislator as well, on FDA, on, you know, every part of our institutions. And, uh, you know, given that reality, I think you have to take that into account whenever you're making a judgment based on what someone could, should have, or would have done in that same situation.
0: Fair enough. Um, here's a, So let's kind of widen out the conversation a little bit here. And that's, you know, I think that vapors in the vaping industry have had a unique perspective on what the general population is waking up to right now. And that is, you know, a media that's hell bent on destroying freedoms and liberties and censorship and misinformation. You know, you had for on the Trump side, you had, you know, Gate, you had Ukraine and a whole host of pretty much ginned up things that have impacted this election. And then you pile COVID on top of that, you know, a fanatical reverence for science and for public health. Uh, that led to a lockdown of a billion people. And I mean, a lot of people have been damaged by that, not the virus, but the lockdown. So do you, do you, do you have any, uh, what is it? over overseeing some of this, you know, operating now at the general population level?
1: Look, I, I will always err on the side of individual freedom. You know, I don't care how deadly something is, or how scary something is, or, you know, um, the, the this idea of we have to band together for the greater good, it's, it's. It, I mean, just look at history. I mean, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to figure out where that leads. Um, you know, and unfortunately, a lot of people have bought into this idea. And, you know, the the, the politicians have straight up taken advantage of it, too. I mean, Look at New York, for example. Um, Just last night, I was watching Andrew Cuomo talk about how here in Western New York, where I live, um, we're seeing like a steady rise of COVID. And and they asked him, you know, are you considering another shutdown? He said, no, there will be no more shutdowns. Definitively, just straight up came out and said that. Now, I I personally, you know, if you would have looked at history of of how he handled this whole situation, I would have never have guessed he would have said something like that. But I mean, he was very straightforward right off the bat no no more shutdowns even though we're seeing the trend get higher and higher now what is you know what what's the cause of that i mean you can make your own inferences but i mean i think it's just we need to wake up and take responsibility for our own lives you know it, it, it our health is our responsibility our families are our responsibilities um I don't look to the government to take care of me, my family, or anything that is mine, and I never will. And that's just my ideology, and I stand behind that.
0: Yeah, um, I uh, yeah, I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated because you know there's not a lot of criticism you can level publicly at at one side without getting you know killed on social media. I think mean, there's so many you know, things that need to be said that aren't being said. And, and we're talking just in six, seven, eight months, how the landscape has changed so much. I mean, we've been censored. I mean, over the Thanksgiving long weekend, the Canadian Thanksgiving long weekend, which was just the first week of October, I made a comment uh, on Facebook. It was just a reply on somebody else's comment. And it was that I called Canadians sheep. You know, we're, we're an, as a nationality, we are quick to follow. And I said, we're sheep. And uh, I got, le- I can't even say it. Facebook uh, labeled that hate speech. And I got a hate speech ding for calling Canadians sheep.
1: You know, it's, uh, that, that blows my mind, Brent. Um, you know, and this is a very controversial topic. You know, I. Hate speech. I mean, what is hate speech, right? In America, it doesn't even exist from a law standpoint. There is no hate speech. You know, you, you you have the freedom to speak how you want, when you want, um, and however you want, as long as you know you don't cause a riot or instill panic. Um, now I guess in can I know I know for a fact in Canada you do not have that same right. I think we're the only country in the world that has freedom of speech in our Bill of Rights and our Constitution. Mm-hmm that's a right that cannot be taken away from us. That is, well, actually, I should say that the government, you know, acknowledges it has always existed. Um, and I wouldn't want it any other way. And, you know, Facebook, albeit it's a private company, right? And this is kind of like the ongoing debate as to whether or not it should be regulated or not regulated. And, you know, we we do have a choice. Like, we choose to use Facebook. So, I mean, I always err on the side of, their rights as well you know they could censor whatever they want now if it was a government run organization no i would absolutely condemn that 100 or if it was uh if it was a news organization you know i mean that the, there's different rules when you're reporting
0: i mean that's true i mean it's sticky though because it, it's the same algorithm and the same process that you know has repeatedly you know flicked Regwatch off the air on facebook for up to 21 days because of our vaping coverage because they haven't liked what we said in support of vaping, or when we've attacked the CDC over a valley and so forth. So, I mean, where do you pick and choose? I mean, if if we say they're private companies and they're just allowed to do it, I mean it it hurts us on vaping hundred percent.
1: So I think I think we should look at this a different way, right? Because like I mean, we do have laws on the book against like uh, monopolies, uh, and you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're I mean, if whether we like it or not, the whole social media kind of space is monopolized by three to four giants. Right. So, so maybe we have to attack it from that angle. And I think that's perfectly constitutional and I think that might be a better way to handle that. Um, I don't think the free speech argument though holds when it comes to these private companies, you know, but there are other ways to go about doing it.
0: You know, that's true. I mean, I think for me, it, there's, in a way it's almost, they're almost, I'd like to be able to sue them, uh, as a business owner, because and they you invited should
1: be you should be able to. That, yeah, they that, invited
0: that. us to their platform. But, uh, when I signed up, it was say anything, right? Where well, you build a business on the platform, um, they are monetizing not only my content, but they're actually me as a as a user of Facebook. They're monetizing you know my behavior. So all of in all of that way, there is a there is a an exchange relationship that's going on with the platform that. Um, you know, should provide some protection and instead there's none. And so they basically hold hostage, you know, our business.
1: So and then there's another way to look at it, too, as well. Right. So we as as let's say consumers or you as a business owner, um, we we have power in the situation, but we're so quick to give it up. It seems like. And and that, that's kind of my biggest gripe with what I see happening today and kind of like this new culture that we live in. Uh, people don't realize the influence and the power that they truly hold. You know, if you have a problem with Facebook censoring um, you know, your, your your ideas, your your speech, you know, uh do the hard work. Get the people together, make it change. Um, you know, don't just complain about it. And that, that's that that's where I get caught up in, in, you know, and it's a very nuanced argument, but it's true. You know, th- this country was founded on the power being in the people. And I think we're slowly getting away from that where we're depending on these, you know, the federal government or these government institutions to hold all that power. But, oh, I mean, I just want to reiterate, you know, the power is always in the people. I don't care whether you're talking about government, whether you're talking about businesses, whether you're talking about like just individual relationships, right? Like you have the power to make any change you want as long as you live in a free society.
0: Man, yeah, I'd like to see that manifest itself with Twitter and Facebook, that's for sure. Yeah, the comment that I'd written, I'm just I can show it but it, I don't have the name blurred that I was responding to, but I said the sad truth is that Canadians are sheep. Almost worse than any other nationality, or should I say post-nationality, cuz that's the joke. Our prime minister said that we're a, we're post-national. <laughs> Whatever that means. But I mean it's it's a pretty innocuous statement and as a Canadian I should be able to say we're a bunch of sheep. And it's certainly not hate speech. So they've gone off the deep end uh, when it comes to the level of censorship. How do do, you... Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That's fine.
1: I I just wanted to say, I think they actually passed a law in Canada, a federal law. I think it was 2017, maybe, where they defined hate speech. It's very ambiguous Mm. in the statute, so... It gives the government a lot of power to um, regulate the way that you talk, Brent. And uh, someone invited me to move up there actually recently. I told them, look, if you give me a first, a second and a fourth amendment, I'll be there next week.
0: So, uh, is but isn't it safe to assume that a Biden presidency would threaten at least a couple of those, right? Uh,
1: the first two, for sure, I think. But, you know, I can't say that with any certainty and I, I don't believe in condemning someone for something they haven't done yet. So, you know, I'm willing to give Joe Biden the benefit of the doubt, but I, you know, if it, if it comes down to it, I will be very vocal and use my individual voice and my freedom of speech to make sure that I'm, I am organizing and very blatant about what I disagree with.
0: You're pretty, you're being pretty magnanimous, Mr. Blazer.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you can't. You, I, I really don't believe in. In, I I believe in due process, right? Someone has to actually do something wrong before you condemn them for it. And um, you know, we don't know what a Joe Biden presidency will look like yet. You know, and and I truly do hope he does a great job. I hope he he makes this country better within the confines of the power granted to the federal government by the Constitution. And I think that's also a very important part of that.
0: So I am getting the sense that you don't think the world is burning down then as a result of a potential uh, Biden win. No,
1: no. I, I don't. I don't give the government that much credit. They're they're very bad at pretty much everything that they do. So I, I don't think they have the ability to burn the world down. Um, you know, our, our our this country is set on uh, uh, some ideals that I think are very beautiful, and there's so many safeguards built into the system that you know, it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever witnessed and I trust it, I believe in it. I don't, I don't think that any one person, any one president or any one government has the power to do that.
0: So let's jump into a very specific vaping issue and that's the pre-market tobacco application process. And you briefly talked about it. The deadline was September 9th. We've not been able to spend a lot of time yet on the kind of the post, the ramifications of it post implementation. You mentioned that the FDA has not been doing very much. What do you mean by that? And what do you think so far? I mean, a lot of people thought the PMTA was going to devastate the industry. We certainly wrote that in our copy uh, for two, three years. Is, is it not as bad as we
1: thought? Um, I, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, I, I don't. I wouldn't say it's not. I would say it's not as bad as we thought yet, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, FDA is a, a federal... Uh, bureaucratic institution that, you know, they're not known to act quick. I think that they're trying to figure out what to do and how to implement it right now. But, you know, this is a a very onerous, expensive process that I participated in. And, um, you know, there's small businesses that are within the space that put a lot of time, energy and effort trying to participate in the process. And some of them successfully did, and I applaud them for that. But what we're seeing now is kind of like um, we're stuck in this twilight zone of not knowing what the next step is, you know. Um, There's applications that have gone in that have heard absolutely nothing. There's some that have gone all the way to scientific review already, uh, very few. And, um, you know, it kind of puts the industry in this weird spot where you have a ton of what FDA would deem illegal products, which, you know, I don't know how you... How you make that distinction, you know, especially when you don't have enough information to do so. They haven't given that to us yet, um, and then it's still this very open market, which I'm very much for, right? But at the same time, you're in this regulated environment that's very ambiguous, and that's being, you know, like nice about it. Um, it's just a mess. I mean, it's 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 literally the perfect example of what happens when you put the government in charge of something.
0: Provide a sense for us in terms of just kind of like the number of businesses you think may have gone out of business as a result of the PMTA. Was there a, a mass kind of clear out? Because, of course, it, you had a valley, you had the epidemic, you, then you had flavor bans, and then you got the FDA, and plus COVID in between. So, I mean, where are we right now in terms of the health and strength of the U.S. vaping industry today from a year from now, or a year ago?
1: Um, You know, as a distributor, I could say that, uh, you know, we're, you know, there's a vibrant industry out there. It's consolidated quite a bit. Um, And I'm not sure if that, I can't put the blame of that on FDA. I can partially because of what they instituted, but, you know, because of the risk involved in that unknown future that people were facing, a lot of people exited and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that that's, totally understandable, but some people took a risk and stayed. And, you know, I don't know how much the industry has shrunk overall. I'd be shocked if it's more than 10 to 15% though.
0: Really? Well, that's actually encouraging.
1: Uh, yeah. But like I said, I think this is kind of like a delayed process that we're going through, you know, um, there's still a lot of uncertainty ahead and you know, that, that hammer could come crashing down any moment.
0: So look, as I mentioned, I mean, obviously, Red Watch couldn't be doing what we've been doing over the last year without your help and Demand Vapes help. And I want to thank you for that, and our viewers should thank you for that too, uh, as much as they can in any way they can. Um, your company has taken a look at you know the uncertainty around PMTA and has come up with a program that you're just uh, just launched recently. Can you take us through that?
1: Uh, yeah, so, you know, um, without getting too granular, I don't want to bore everyone, but FDA has kind of put us in a position where we don't know what's compliant and what's not compliant, right? Um, so, you know, we, we tried to canvas as much as we could the reputable companies that are out there in the e-liquid space specifically. And um, what we're doing is we're offering basically a, a regulatory buyback guarantee so that any vape shops that are continuing to operate, can buy with complete confidence that any one of these brands that are that fall under this, um, you know, uh, regulatory buyback program, if there's any negative action taken by FDA, you know, they get 100% of their investment back of that product. So, you know, it takes all the risk out of their hands and puts it onto in, into our lap and the laps of the manufacturers, where it is realistically where it should be, and. The goal there was not just to, you know, make certain companies stick out or get more business, but it was to try to instill more confidence into the people that are participating in the space. Because that, to me, that was the number one thing that was causing businesses to exit. So, you know, it, the overall idea was to try to build the foundation to bring the confidence back to the vapor space so that these businesses can continually Operate without having to worry about you know the FDA cracking down and all of a sudden boom they're gone because their life's investments sitting on their shelves and they can no longer sell it.
0: And that is the key thing um, about this is that getting stuck with unsold inventory from a company that's no longer there.
1: Absolutely, you know, and that should not fall on the vape shop. I mean that they literally are like the the cornerstone of our of our industry, right? They're the front lines. And if they can't provide the consumer uh, what they demand, then, you know, it's by definition a failing business proposal. So that was the best idea I could come up with to alleviate the stress and the um, uncertainty around this whole regulatory crunch that we're inevitably going to see in order to keep everything moving for our customers.
0: So where can viewers and obviously retail shop owners and so forth go to find out more information about this?
1: Uh, just our website, demandbabe.com, you know, there's um, a tab, buy back, uh, buy with confidence, it says, and it lays everything out. And, um, you know, don't get me wrong, there, there, there's a marketing aspect to this, right? But at, at the end of the day, the core value of this is to, to, to build that confidence back up in our industry. Too. So these shops that are, are, you know, struggling to get by right now, know that they could operate without that you know dark cloud looming over their head of whether or not you know their life savings are going to be gone at the crack of a whip
0: and you've got good relationships obviously with uh, manufacturers in China and so forth the biggest ones obviously and um have they f- kicked around any ideas along this line when it comes to hardware or is it just not doable
1: um yeah no absolutely I think they're more than willing um I think with China it's a little bit more ambiguous because you know, FDA is, is taking very little action against any hardware, unless it's like um, a certain type of hardware, right? And, you know, the, the I think the hardware is viewed as a much lower risk endeavor overall in terms of uh, the regulatory um, framework. So, you know, not that we're not open to doing something like that, but I mean, it would be very, very difficult to pull off. There'd be a lot of moving parts, you know, you have the the, the, obviously, the two different countries and the time difference and the there's so many more skews, um, you know, if if, if it's needed, we'll, we'll obviously go in that direction. But, you know, it's definitely something that, that you can't just
0: do. So let me ask you um, one last thing on on that is that I think there was some concern that all of the regulatory uncertainty in the U.S. might cause some of the manufacturers, um, hardware manufacturers to kind of lose some of their faith in the market in the US. Was that, a, did that show any, did that actually manifest itself at all or is it really not a concern?
1: Um, I mean, look, this is this is really what happened is the, the, the ones that were kind of well-known and have a lot of uh, capital behind them, uh, they made the calculated risk based on the revenue to, to, to remain in this marketplace. Right. And then you saw a lot of the medium to small manufacturers, uh, they just, you know, it, it the balance sheet, it, it just couldn't, they couldn't do it. And yeah, there was a, there was very much of a, a mass exodus in China when it comes to the, the manufacturers getting out of the industry.
0: So it did happen then there was a clearing out, um. Okay, fair enough. What advice do you have for those smaller independent e-juice manufacturers and so forth that got into the PMTA system and um, or, you know, are looking to try to survive it? Is there any advice you've got for people?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, they're fighters and I love that about, you know, that, that's what I love about uh, the open market, right? No one knows, I mean, if anyone tells you that they know how this is all gonna play out, it's just not true. And everyone has a chance, but you, you know, the old saying, you, you can't win it if you're not in it, uh, keep doing what you're doing. You know, I, I love that mentality of just, you know, no matter what the odds are, you just push forward, you, you put, give it everything you got and you see what happens. And, you know, a lot of times those are the, those things pay off pretty good. Uh, and sometimes you go crashing down, you know, and, and we're all, we're all, that that's a possibility for everyone in this space.
0: So I'm going to pull this back to politics because obviously that's what's you know, taken over here for this week and for the rest of our lives. Um, Isn't it safe to assume though that with, with you know, for instance, with FDA's enforcement discretion that they're exercising right now, that is favorable to vaping in so far as it's not gone and closed all these businesses. Um, Could that not change under a Biden presidency? Could not, because of course, the FDA is under the executive branch. So if President Biden says, you know, I want you to be as strong as you possibly can on these people that are addicting kids to nicotine, right? Would we not see a much different, more forceful FDA on this?
1: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all you gotta do is look at the Democratic caucus in Congress and, you know, there's some very powerful key players there that have been very vocal, you know, basically attacking vaping every month or every two months, every three months. I don't know what the intervals are, but you you know that they're gonna be putting pressure on the president to do just that. Now the question becomes with COVID and all these other issues that are going on, where does that fall in the pecking order? I I don't have the answer to that. My gut tells me it's not going to be at the top of the list, but you know, you never know. I mean, politics is politics, you know, whatever is going to, to garner the most support by the people that the uh, administration needs to um, get the support from is going to win. Right. And, If that happens to be us, then we're just collateral damage. And that's just reality.
0: And I know that that is what's so frustrating for many about that, is that it does seem to be hanging on a whim. And we know that the public health advocates that are anti-vaping, you know, are very strong in the Democratic Party, and they have, you know, pretty loud voice that gets listened to. One of them, obviously, is the Truth Initiative, and they've just got their newest campaign that's out. And I actually came across it as uh, I'm sure it's a media buy on some anti-vaping news story. And so I snapped it up. It's about a minute and a half. Let's just have a quick look at it.
2: really I
1: love it so very much.
0: they know how to make uh good propaganda
1: yeah you know and what scares me is like uh the the um they they they, they cite that as like uh, the science right um and it's very misleading you know, and there, there, I could critique that for probably an hour. <laughs> uh, I won't. But, you know, uh, this is what's so scary about and this is why I advocate for small federal government. This is exactly why. Um, because, you know, if you really break it down, um, do you, I mean, I want everyone to think about this, do you want the federal government making decisions for you and your family? And what you can and cannot do, or is that something that you you want to do on your own? Um, and at the end of the day, it's not even the government that's really doing it. It's it's it these you know this money and these uh, organizations that are driving the message that causes them to make policy. Uh, to me, that's just a broken system. You know, that's that that's not what anyone ever intended when this country was started. And, I mean, I think we should. I don't care what. Party line you toe i think that everyone should be able to get behind that same ideal right
0: well i agree i've got uh a copy here of um herbert crowley's the promise of american life and this was written in 1910 and for those it's that a book, know, it. it's a great, great. book yeah, yeah great. if if you're on the the side of the ideological spectrum that believes that you can engineer better people through laws, social institutions, and so forth. And if you go back to like Herbert Crowley's uh, material and it's, you know, it's a significant piece of work, you know, it's the foundation that and John Dewey's work that's really driven most of the reformation of our culture in the U S and in Canada too, as well over the last 110 years or so. What's your thoughts about that? Just that that drive to engineer a better person.
1: Uh, I find it abhorrent, right? The idea of engineering any person is uh, just disgusting to me. <laughs> like that, that, you're literally just saying, you know, I'm going to make you do what I want you to do through the policies that I make, and that 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 is not freedom. That that's literally slavery. You know, I don't care how you break it down, but that's what it boils down to.
0: I bring it up because I, I believe that's one of the foundations, you know, that underpins the anti-vaping ideology. Because there has to be some belief there. It can't just be uh, trying to save lives, you know, by getting you off of vaping. I mean, none of it makes sense, right? Because obviously, you know, smoking is a killer. And when it comes to, say, that truth initiative piece that we just saw, what strikes me is that, is that what vapers look for is the normalization of vaping within our culture because then that would allow vaping to be acceptable. People would make the switch. We'd save millions of lives and it would be a much better world. Yet the very normalization of vaping, which can only happen in media and content um, and being accepted, you know, as a, as a viable alternative that you're a good human being for vaping uh, the virtues of vaping. That's what's being attacked uh, by the truth initiative. And so.
1: Yeah. And um, you know, I won't, the person who's out there knows who this is, but uh, I have this kind of ongoing bet for the future with this person, and, you know, like, that ideology that you just pointed out from that book specifically, I think, is what led to, like, your FDR era and this whole New Deal initiative, which is which exactly follows that kind of same ideology, which I think has led to where we are today with the government. And, um, you know, time will tell what happens and where that leads, um, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, this country was founded on the idea that you know uh, you were born into this world with nothing. You have every opportunity to make what you will of it, and we won't slow you down. Uh, but that has since been lost, and you know that's what I, I, I want to get back to that 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 same ideal that we started with.
0: I totally agree; it's sorely missed. Um, so we're just uh, coming up here to about seven minutes left in the show, and I want to just take a quick moment to inform our viewers that we are doing a fundraiser right now in November, and if you do have a few bucks and you can contribute uh, in one time or sign up for a monthly donation, that would be excellent because, of course, um, we can't do what we do without support from viewers and, of course, industry. And John, again, here, you guys have been fantastic for us, and I want to thank you so much for that. And I know one of the things that our viewers don't know um, is that for the high impact researchers, scientists, and public health people that we have on, we can't put the brand support from supporters like you on those episodes. So, so many of the biggest episodes that we can do, we can't share the love with our supporters on that. And so that makes it even more important for individual viewers to help give us a hand uh, to be able to do that so we can produce more content and really get the messages out there. And I thought maybe I'd throw at you and just go, I mean, why do you support
1: Redwatch? Uh for the reason you just outlined, right? Those hard-hitting um big science-based episodes that you do and I, I wouldn't want it any other way. I don't want my our company name up there and, you know, tarnishing that whole situation. Um, you know, it's great to to get our name out there, but, you know, the the information that you've provided over the years, and I've been watching you for years, Brian, has been, I think invaluable for our industry. You know, I I truly believe we wouldn't be having this conversation today if it wasn't for your show. Um, and as long, as long as we're around, we'll continue to support you.
0: Oh, that's excellent, John. Thank you. So go to Facebook. Uh, you know, you can find us it's, uh, easy. If you don't already know, I'm not even going to bother telling you how to get there, but the fundraisers out there, if you see it across your feed, Please take a chance uh, on us and give us a little bit of support. So, John, as we're ramping up here um, on the show, I still, I personally um, have not yet gotten angry over what's happened with the election. But there's a bunch of anger sitting there, I'm sure, if this turns into a process by which that um, the legal uh, recounts, the disputing of ballots and so forth, that, uh, you know... I don't want to say it's typical in an election, but it is, you know. It, lots it happens
1: in election, absolutely. And, exactly. You know, the, one, the one thing I want people to really, I I, I really reiterate to have patience because, look, this is the first election that we've had. We threw this kind of unknown uh, mail-in ballot thing into this election across 50 different states, and that kind of— Puts a strain on this system that it's never seen before, and there is a system there. So all these things that happen that we never ever hear about are are happening, and we're seeing it unfold in real time. And it's not. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's something nefarious going on, but let's, let's let that play out. Let's see what happens. And. You know, hopefully at the end of the day, whoever should be president, whoever the people elected, and I don't care who that is, that's who should be president, because that's, like I said, uh, this country was founded on the idea that the power is in the hands of the people. It should never be in the hands of the government. Um, that's antithetical to everything that our founding fathers believed, you know, and we need to, to let that happen. And the idea of hitting the streets and causing violence and having a revolution, um, I'm not I'm not saying that that's that that's never necessary I just think that's not necessary here
0: right well that, that's actually very hopeful to hear and I think the last point I'm going to make on this is that when it comes to vaping we've we have faced many many challenges over the five years that RegWatch has been covering this issue and every time it seems that it's going to be the death of the industry and it hasn't it's really managed to hold on and I think that that's because there's some Internal understanding amongst the populace even no matter how much propaganda they get hit with it that there's something valuable about vaping and that it is better for you and i think that's why the industry is still here
1: yeah no absolutely and look at the end of the day um where there is demand there will be supply right and there's no question in my mind whether vaping is going to exist or not because it's obvious that a lot of people rely on it. The only question is is it going to exist in a legitimate space or an illegitimate space? Um just look at marijuana over the last 20 years, the war on drugs and you know, I mean, we have, we're, we we are fortunate enough to be able to look back on this and see how that all played out. Um I I mean, I, I don't even know how many states legalized marijuana yesterday. Um and I'm glad they did. You know, I mean, that's the will of the the people that live in those states and that's how it should be. But that took a long time for that to happen. You know, this is not gonna be a, a short, easy road. and It's not for the, uh, you know, the, the, this industry right now is not for the type of people that have uh, a, a easy disposition, right? This is, you're gonna have to be in it for the long haul. Well, um, And
0: I think the phrase you're looking for is the faint of heart.
1: Yeah, yeah, and even that's a little soft, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this is going to be a long, hard road that we're going to have to face. And, you know, I'm going to stick it out, see what happens. And, and that's the American dream, right? And, you know, ideally, all this federal uh, bureaucratic regulatory stuff wouldn't be the hurdle. But that's the reality we face, and that's what we have to overcome.
0: Well, that's excellent. Well, John, thanks very much for coming back on the show and just stick right there for me for one second. And that is it for this edition of Watch. Before you head off, please go over to support.regulatorwatch.com. That's support.regulatorwatch.com and consider making a financial contribution to our vaping coverage. It's easy. Dig into your wallet, find a few dollars and toss them our way. You will be happy you did and so will we. And while online, don't forget to like us on Facebook and to follow us on Twitter. For regulatorwatch.com, I'm Brent Stafford.